Hello, everyone. I'm Harvey Brownstone, and today's special guest is a woman I've admired for many years because she truly exemplifies the terms self-motivation, self-reinvention, self-affirmation, and ultimately what it means to make a real difference in the world. For 38 years, she was simply known as the wife of the most prolific writer and producer in television history, Aaron Spelling who ran Hollywood's largest and most successful production company. He brought us such iconic TV shows as The Mod Squad, Starsky and Hutch, Charlie's Angels, Fantasy Island, The Love Boat, Dynasty, Beverly Hills 90210, and many more. As the wife of one of Hollywood's most powerful executives, our guest's entire identity was wrapped up in being his collaborator, cheerleader, executive assistant, housekeeper, trophy wife, companion, and support, not to mention a very involved mother of two children. After her husband died in 2006, she found herself at a profound crossroads, and over the course of the next few years, her transformation has been nothing short of astounding. She's written two best-selling books, Stories from Candyland, and Candy at Last. She executive produced and starred in two highly successful HGTV miniseries about selling her world famous Hollywood mansion, Spelling Manor, and designing and furnishing the condo she moved into after she sold the manor. If that weren't enough, she's become an enormously successful multi Tony Award winning producer of 14 Broadway shows, including Promises Promises, how to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, The Color Purple, Tina, The Tina Turner Musical, Moulin Rouge, The Musical, and her latest smash hit, multi-Tony-nominated shows, Mr. Saturday Night and MJ The Musical, which just won four Tony Awards. And she's actively involved in numerous civic and charitable activities as one of America's most beloved philanthropists. And of course, she spends as much time as she can with her seven beautiful grandchildren who affectionately call her Candy Graham. I'm delighted to welcome Candy Spelling to our show. Candy, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me, Harvey. It's a pleasure. Candy, when I look at your beginnings as a shy, introverted girl raised by a mother who was determined to make you the perfect wife, you started dating Aaron Spelling at 20 years old, and you were so overwhelmed at your first Hollywood party that you spent the entire evening hiding in the bathroom. Do you sometimes ever look back and wonder who that young girl was and how you managed to turn her into the person you are today? Yes, and, and yet I still fight those feelings of being very shy and, you know, being alone and walking into a room sometimes is very difficult. Well, you wrote this about your life as Mrs. Aaron Spelling. You said, my husband was a wonderful man, but he really did consider me a trophy wife. He didn't want me to have friends, talk to strangers, or interact more than superficially with the people he worked with. I was supposed to look good, be the best dressed, smile, entertain when asked, and be the ultimate model of the perfect Hollywood wife. So, Candy, looking at the incredibly successful author, producer, and businesswoman that you are today, do you think your husband would like the woman that you've become if he were still alive? Oh, I think so. I think that he would be very proud. In, in that adventure that I took, I actually, QVC came to me, and I 
designed dolls for them and sold them on QVC. And he was so proud, you know, that, that I, I they, my first show was three hours, which is unheard of today on QVC. Well, I want to just take a moment and pay tribute to your husband's monumental achievements. At one time, Aaron Spelling's shows accounted for one third of ABC TV's primetime programming. You wrote that you have to be really savvy to make a living in show business over a long period of time, and that those with longevity have to have special skills. What do you think accounts for the incredible success and the longevity that Aaron had? I don't know. He has a special touch. He would read a script and he knew what he used to call it eye candy. He said, you know, I may not have a lot of Emmys for my achievements, but it's eye candy. I know what the audience wants. And he really did. Truly. He, 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 he loved, he loved going into a cutting room and, and this is something a lot of people don't know about him. That was where he was like a master is recutting film and putting something that he had in the beginning, maybe at the end of the show or, and it worked. In 1996, Aaron Spelling wrote a book entitled A Prime Time Life. What did you think of it, Candy? I sort of, I, I, I told him I didn't approve 100% because he didn't tell all the good stories. I still have all those good stories. You wrote that your favorite of your husband's TV shows was Fantasy Island because it showed that no one gets a free ride. Every fantasy has a consequence. So be careful what you wish for. Now, Candy, you lived a kind of fantasy life in Hollywood. At least that's what it looked like from the outside. What do you think is the most misunderstood thing about being rich and famous? I think the more that you have, the harder you work to, you know, just just to live life. If you have a bigger house, it's a bigger house to clean. It's a bigger house to run. It, 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 you know, everything, everything isn't always better because it's bigger. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, one thing about being famous that can really be horrible is the way the media treats you. And one of the reasons I wanted to interview you is to tell you how upset I was by the way you were treated on The View when your first book came out. I applaud you, Candy, for the very classy and dignified way that you handled yourself. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. That is so sweet. I've never forgotten that day. I, I ran off the stage and I started crying. And, and Whoopi Goldberg came after me and said, it's okay, it's a, you know, I've, nev- I've never, never forgotten that. Thank you for remembering. Well, now, Candy, as you know, a lot of wealthy parents struggle with trying to strike a balance between giving their children an advantaged upbringing, but not giving them a sense of entitlement. You want them to be financially knowledgeable, responsible, and grounded. I think you said in your book that a wealthy parent should want to give their children enough money to do something, but not enough money to do nothing. Do you have any advice for wealthy parents about this? I'm a big believer in that. You know, both my children work and they work very hard and I'm very proud of both of them. Uh, They're in different fields. My son was an actor, but he he, uh, now is a life coach in Portland, Oregon. And he loves what he does and he's great at it. And my daughter loves that camera. 
She really, she, from the time she was five years old, all she wanted to do was be on one of daddy's shows. (laughs) Now, after your dear husband, Aaron, passed away in 2006, you essentially lost the person who defined you and your family. For the first time in 38 years, you had to navigate the world on your own, and you were forced to do it in a really public way. For one thing, I was appalled at the media circus that happened after Aaron died, fueled by people like Dominic Dunn. The media lost a really great opportunity to educate the public about Alzheimer's instead of trying to sell newspapers and magazines by printing a lot of scandalous falsehoods about you and your family. I'm really, really sorry that you went through that. Thank you so much. That's that's very kind. It was hard. And I guess I have a thicker skin than I thought I did. <laughs> I think you do. I think in many ways you've amazed yourself at the person you really are. I love to be busy. And I think that's, you know, probably part of my problem. Age is just a number. And, you know, I don't, I, I, I I'm an older person at this point in my life, but I, I just, I want to go out and do, and, 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 and there's just things that come into my mind all the time. I mean, I could be creating projects all the time, but I have to control myself because I don't have that much energy. Now, after Aaron died, you spent five years living alone in your family home known as the manor. And then you finally decided to let go of the house and sell it and move on. What advice do you have for other widows and widowers in this situation? I mean, how do you know when you're ready to move on to a new home and create a new life? One was when it becomes too much work and you're, you're there alone. It's very different when a spouse dies and all of a sudden, all the invitations that used to come in and I was so busy, all of a sudden don't come in anymore. They don't invite just the, the wife. You know, I mean, and, and that's the way I looked at it, that I was, you know, that obviously I wasn't important enough to be invited to where places where I was invited all the time. So consequently, you live a much quieter life until I decided that uh, I didn't want to be, you know, just just sitting at home eating chocolates. <laughs> but I, I it was it was a real revelation for me, a real awakening of, of how to navigate through. And and it wasn't easy. It really wasn't, it didn't come easy to, to learn to navigate, but you have to, you know, I mean, you have a life and you go on and you could live, you know, who knows how long we could live. And I decided to make a life for myself. You know, you wrote something really significant in your second book about the importance of working. Even if you're wealthy and you don't need the money, you said, I'm quoting you here, I never went into any business for the money. I did it because there is something about working and earning money that creates a sense of self-worth and independence that cannot be measured in dollars and cents. Candy, I think this is a really important point for people to understand that a huge benefit of working is to validate your self-esteem, correct? I agree. And, 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 you know, if you don't feel good about yourself, how are other people going to feel good about you? And I, I just, I feel so much better since I have, you know, something to do. I mean, not to have something to do. And, and, and a lot of widows or widowers make their grandchildren their life and 
There's nothing wrong with that, except that you need something to do. I think when, when people stop working, their, their mind stops working. It's kind of, it, it, it goes together. Well, now, Candy, I want to ask you about your career as a Broadway producer. First of all, congratulations on your four Tony Awards for MJ the Musical. You must be so delighted, especially that the newcomer, the amazing Miles Frost, won the Tony for Best Lead Actor in a Musical for his portrayal of Michael Jackson. Congratulations, Candy. Thank you so much. And, you know, if you get the chance to see it, I have to tell you, he becomes Michael on stage. It's chilling because I knew Michael very well. And he is just is, is this excited 22-year-old kid. What a break. I mean, actually, they said that he is the youngest leading actor to win a Tony ever. How many so, times have you seen the show? Oh, about 15 or 60. <laughs> I like my, to see it at all. My dream is to come to New York and watch it with you. Oh, I would, I would love to take you to, to see it, really, truly. I can't wait. You know, when I was doing my research for this interview, I learned that you are known in the Broadway community as a born producer with great instincts, a healthy sense of risk-taking, and a keen understanding of marketing, publicity, and merchandising, and great problem-solving skills. Where did all of this knowledge come from? I don't really know, but I th th this is how I manage my house. Everything... You know, I put it in its own compartment and then I analyze it. And, and I really, I'm one of those people that thinks out of the box, which is, is I know sounds strange, but that's, you know, it, it, there's got to be a better way. When I did my second show, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, I, they, they gave me the job and actually I was paid every week. I did the merchandising for it. And I went to companies, see, there's only like on Broadway, it's a very small community. So there's just companies that just do the merchandising for all of the Broadway shows. And I thought, well, but there are promoters out there that do all these, you know, that these concerts and things like that, that are certainly used to, you know, doing merchandising for that. So I brought in probably four or five different companies other than the ones that, and let them all bid it and see what they had to show me. And then I came up with some different ways that we sold it. I had someone wearing a, uh, one of those things that goes around your neck and it's a tray. And we, we went up and down when they stand in line to wait to get into the theater, we were already selling merchandise. So, you know, it was kind of fun and, I just, I, I, I like to, you know, I like to give my creative thoughts all the time to, to the, you know, the lead producers and sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. And. Well, what's the I, most exciting thing about being a Broadway producer? Oh, I have to, you know, you can be as involved as you want, but I, I it's, it's, there's something called the sits put, and the sits put is the first time that the orchestra and the actors are in the same room together and actually rehearse. And it's the most exciting day for me. I, I, I always have to come to New York when they, when they have that. And, and, you know, it's just, it's exciting because, you know, the, you have to remember they're rehearsing in rehearsal hall, not on a stage. 
big stage. And then, then, you know, they only have a few weeks to really work out all the staging and everything, on, you know, on, on a stage that's 20 times the size of a room they've been working out. Can you describe the emotional return on your investment of being a Broadway producer? Well, emotionally, I would tell you it's, it, it's instant. It's, it, you know, and you either know or you don't know. You, know. you know before it opens, you know after it opens, uh, uh, pretty much whether you've got a hit or not. And, you know, sometimes you're wrong, but I have to say, you you can see them on stage all day long, but what they're missing is that audience. And once they have the the vibes of the audience, it it becomes a whole different situation on stage. I mean, they they feed off that the actors feed off of it. Really, do you have a favorite show of all the shows you've been involved with? Oh gosh, it's hard to say. I was very disappointed MJ didn't win for best uh, show because I, I think it's, he is Michael on, he's on stage and you close your eyes, you think it's Michael Jackson. And, and just to see him dance, I mean, he's, he's amazing. And yet he's himself, he's, he's, he portrays it so well that you believe that he is Michael Jackson. And that's all an actor can do. I think that Hugh Jackman and Billy Crystal were very surprised to see a young 22-year-old take the, you know, the the best lead actor in a musical. But he really deserved it. He he becomes Michael Jackson. And I have to tell you, I'm very proud of Moulin Rouge, which is still running thank goodness, in New York. And we are now on uh, international tour, actually in Australia and in North America. That's really amazing. You know, Candy, I really like the fact that you decided to tackle a medium that your husband did not work in. You could easily have gone into TV and movie producing, but you chose not to stand on Aaron Spelling's shoulders. Was that a conscious decision? Yes, it was a very conscious decision. Certainly, I didn't want to compete with him. No one could have that kind of talent. I, I watched him work. I mean, this man was not just because he was my husband. He was a genius. And there aren't too many geniuses born around today. So I, I you know, I never want to compete. I had never really worked before. So this is the first time. I mean, I've always worked on charities and sat on boards and, you know, helped with those kind of things. But, and I entertained, but I, I didn't, I didn't work. And, you know, it's been what, 13 years now, I, I'm actually working. I have a career. You've described yourself as a relentless perfectionist. And you've said that you've always been an expert at compartmentalizing, which means separating your thoughts from your feelings. Are those good qualities to have in your line of work as a producer? For me, it helps. It, it, I, I have to do it that way in order to break it down into what's wrong with it. You know, if something isn't right and I'm not sure what it is, I need, I need to separate it in order to you know, digest it and come up with the right answer, hopefully. 
Now, it's well known that you're one of the most generous philanthropists in America. You're heavily involved in a downtown Los Angeles daycare center for underprivileged families. You're on the board of the Los Angeles World Affairs Council. You were the ambassador for tourism for Los Angeles. You're commissioner emeritus for the Los Angeles Board of Recreation and Parks. You're on the board of the UCLA Health System and the Los Angeles Ballet. And of course, you're hugely involved in animal welfare. Tell us the importance to you, Candy, of giving back to the community. You, you know, it's the old saying, you get what you give. And you know what? If you give nothing in this life, you'll get nothing back. And to me, that's very rewarding. And, and, it, and it's not, you know, awards or accolades or anything. It's in here, my soul. You know, I, I feel... I feel good about it. I, every time something wonderful happens for the community, especially when with our parks and, and everything, I, I sat on the commission for a long time. And, you know, there were a lot of red tape in order to get things done. And by starting the foundation, we're able to release money within a day if they need something at, at one of the pools or the golf courses or the archery fields or the, you know, I mean, you know, the, the parks uh, encompasses in Los Angeles, a huge, huge number of, of everything. Well, I think it's amazing. I think you're such a role model. I, I want you to just sit back and listen to some of the highlights of your life. Just listen to this. On your second date with Aaron, you attended a party for Grace Kelly at the home of your childhood idol, Rock Hudson. For almost 20 years, you lived in a 56,000 square foot mansion that was widely considered to be the most beautiful home in America. You had coffee and club sandwiches with Nancy Reagan in her private sitting room at the White House, and you got a special guided tour of the Capitol building. At one of your parties, you had Cary Grant sitting on one side of you and Fred Astaire on the other. You and your family took a cross-country train trip from Los Angeles to New York and back. You sailed to Europe on the QE2 and traveled on the Orient Express. You were force-fed blueberry yogurt by Joan Crawford, and she gave your husband some really good advice about what kind of jewelry he should be buying for you. You hosted a charity dinner for Prince Charles, and Michael Feinstein performed at your 25th wedding anniversary. Candy, do you sometimes have to pinch yourself to believe that you actually experienced all of that? Yes, yes, I do want to pinch myself and that and more because I was so, so lucky to, you know, a lot of people don't even know the names of some of these stars now that that were really big in Hollywood. But I have to tell you, I I got to play amongst them. And I have to tell you, it, 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 I, I'm so grateful. I am so, so grateful. I have had a wonderful life. And I just wake up every morning and go, I'm, I'm alive and I feel good. And, you know, how, you know, pinch myself. I'm very lucky. Yes. Well, I have only one final question for you, Candy. You wrote in your first book that your mother parented you by fear. She treated you like a pupil at a finishing school and she made you constantly afraid of making mistakes. She wanted the perfect child. You wrote that you grew up feeling like a failure. 
Are you now able to look in the mirror and see that you never were a failure? You're a hugely successful human being in your own right. Yes, and but I'm still working on it. <laughs> I, I'm a work in progress. Well, your closest friend, Nancy Blumenfeld, said that the word that came to mind when she thought of you was tenacity. Do you agree that you're tenacious? Oh, 100%. <laughs> I don't give up. And I have to tell you, you know, if if there's something out there that it's like a a, a project that like, oh, I could get that done. You know, I mean, ask a busy person to do something and you'll get it done faster than, you know, someone that isn't busy. Boy, and have you ever proven that? (laughs) Well, I want to invite our viewers to visit Candy Spelling's website at candyspelling.com to learn about her life and inspirations, ideas, and creative projects. Well, Miss Candy Spelling, I'm a huge fan of yours, and I'm so proud of everything you've achieved in your life and your career. Thank you so much for taking the time to appear on our show. You are welcome here anytime. Thank you. I would love that. I, this was so much fun, Harvey. You made it very easy. You, you are so kind and thank you. It was, a, it was fun. It sure was. And I can't wait to have you back. And I can't wait to go and see MJ with you. Ah, I would love that. Our guest has been the wonderful Tony Award-winning Broadway producer, best-selling author, philanthropist, and television producer, Candy Spelling. My name is Harvey Brownstone. Thank you to our producer, Steve Silver. Thank you all for joining us. See you next time. Thanks for watching. Be sure to check out all the great interviews on the Harvey Brownstone Interviews YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe and ring the bell to be notified when new videos are posted.